Welcome back, guys. Episode 12 of the Rooted in the Logos podcast. My name is Brad. I am joined, as always, by my two co-conspirators, Not Carter. Always. Okay. Carter. Hi. <laughs> and Austin. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, we are actually really excited to bring you this episode this week. Um, it's going to be a little different. We have a guest coming on, but we'll talk about it here in just a minute. So before before we get to that, though, we want to say thank you to our new patron, Betty. She has joined us as a supporter. We are very grateful. Thank you so much. Betty! Woo! So she, she also sent us a great letter. Very encouraging. We thank her so much for the support. Thank you all for your support. Uh, before we get into it again, also just remember we are on Apple finally. So find us on Apple, Rooted in Logos. Like or subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. Write us a nice little comment if you would. And maybe we'll read some on the air. I don't know if that interests people. We'll read our favorite reviews if they're nice. Well, first we just need people to email us. But we need people to email us to (laughs) rootedinlogospod at gmail.com or our website, which is... rootedinlogospod.com. So you can contact us through that. You can contact us through our Gmail. Please email us. Give us any ideas, anything you want us to talk about. And we would love to interact with you guys more. Uh, we have listeners. I can see the numbers. We definitely have listeners, but we haven't got a lot of feedback from people, and so we do want to interact. We don't want yes. this just to be a three-sided show here. Right. The whole point is to help you guys grow, and it's helping us grow as well. So if we can... <laughs> I don't think that worked. <laughs> it didn't work at all. <laughs> Wait, what? He's a three-sided, three-sided show. show. He says that and then just looks around like... Mm. Have mercy. All right. Hey, they're here. Oh, anyway, can, um, we want input. We want interactions with the people that listen because, again, we know we have the listeners. So, yeah, and, and again, it the whole point of doing this is we're we're trying to get you guys to grow. We're growing, and in order to help us grow, it would really help for some input to to just find out if what you guys are hearing is applicable. If you not need to be hearing something different, maybe we can switch it towards a different. Different scripture, different books. So may- maybe we, we can get into that here soon, yeah, too. absolutely. So for today's episode, as I said, we actually have a special guest, a, a gentleman by the name of John Harris. He is the host of the Conversations That Matter podcast. He's actually one of the inspirations for me t- to start this. He has done a great job over the last uh, year or so of diving into critical race theory in the church, diving into progressivism in the church the woke culture, the cancel culture that is creeping into our church. He breaks it down for us. He is very informative, very knowledgeable, way more knowledgeable than I am on these topics. And so he was gracious enough to interview with us to discuss some of these issues that he has seen in the church, to discuss what we can do as a church to combat some of these things. So Austin and I were involved with this interview. Unfortunately, Carter had to work. So unfortunately, it's a light week for you, Carter. What? What? How did you get off so easy? I didn't. <laughs> I just can't be there. Just There's can't be there. Other important things going on, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are really excited to be joined by uh, the host of the Conversations That Matter podcast, John Harris. John, thanks for joining us. How, how are things going today? Yeah, things are going all right. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, it's a hot day here in Virginia. I don't know where y'all are, but uh, it's it, you know I grew up in upstate New York, and so I'm. It still hits me every summer sometimes when I'm um, you know in the South. I'm like, wow, it is hot. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're Southern Indiana. We're we're about okay. What? 
30, 40 minutes from Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm born and raised in Louisville, but but moved over here uh about three weeks ago. So. Now, Southern Indiana, do you guys consider yourself the South at all, or is it kind of where where would you say? We're pretty split depending on who you talk to. I mean Okay. We got a lot of pretty southern people down here, but we're we're Yanks. We are <laughs> okay. Um, speak, all right, speak, yeah. Because you speak for yourself. Well, all that's right, true. hey, that's true. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> you think of Indiana as a northern state, but yeah, Kentucky you think of as a southern state, so it's kind of you know. Well, and I've, being, I've heard people from southern Indiana say they're southerners, and I'm like, really? Well, well, being so, being from Louisville, it's completely different than the rest of the state of Kentucky. It's its own entity kentuckiana and then kentucky's very south yeah (laughs) Yeah. so but uh well john tell me a little bit about yourself your background what what got you into this what uh what made you well really what made you start doing your podcast and start uh speaking out against these things yeah i felt like i wasn't attacked enough no (laughs) so i would just make a bunch of people mad no um no i i uh it, it's never was a plan of mine. I n- never in my wildest dreams thought I would be focusing so much on social justice, um, critical race theory and all that stuff. It kind of came about progressively. I was at seminary and I, uh, at Southeastern and I started hearing some of the same things that I had heard in my secular undergrad experience and I didn't understand it. And it, so it was, there's actually a process of, of years that, I was observing and just becoming disconcerted and trying to talk to professors and um, figuring, trying to figure out what in the world was going on. And uh, it just, the the temperature just kept rising. And finally, 2017 is when I I saw just a huge push for social justice. And I couldn't believe what I, you know, just give you one example. There were three statements against Donald Trump or the alt-right which was really a statement against Donald Trump as well, uh, coming from the university in one semester. And there had been nothing in eight years of Obama. So, <laughs> and these were either written by professors or yeah. heavily you know, spa, um, promoted. And so stuff like that uh, made me realize something is going way wrong. And I was a political conservative already. I had you know, gone through secular university in the North, in New York, in a fairly uh, more progressive area compared to North Carolina, at least. And I, I knew that this would be not good um, for not just politics and the direction of the country at large, but also the church, that this would undermine some of the things um, that we believe as Christians. And uh, so long story short, I decided um, through much uh, consternation and uh, prayer and getting advice from uh, people I respected uh, to share my, and also professors, by the way, at Southeastern, I decided to share my story and I knew it would blacklist me from the Southern Baptist convention. And I kind of came to terms with that and was okay with it. And just thought, this is something that needs to get out there. No one's really saying anything about this. And it went mini viral. And I wasn't expecting that. I I just thought it would warn a few people who, um, like, I would just want to know going into that, what I was getting into. And that's all I wanted to do for others. But it ended up like people from all over evangelicalism were contacting me, thanking me, saying that they were undergoing like stories that were like 10 times worse than anything I had seen. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I didn't even know it was that bad. And, um, and so that was what, two and a half years ago now. And I thought, you know, I I had this little podcast that I I started just to kind of uh, be an outlet for things that I was interested in. 
I think my first episode was on hiking and like kind of <laughs> what I liked about hiking yeah. and stuff. And then my second episode was in my seminary experience. Well, I, I decided after that, I'll do a few episodes on social justice because it seems like it, it's helping people. It's encouraging people. And that turned into more than two years now later. And, uh, you know, what's happened is just incredible as far as, um, the, the, it, it's cultural blitz, blitzkrieg. It's just moved so fast. People's heads are spinning and they need someone to kind of explain it to them. So I took it upon myself to do some research on it, uh, to understand it. Um, in that time, I also got a master's in history from Liberty university. And my thesis was on, uh, this topic as well. So, um, so I've tried to take sort of a historical angle of understanding kind of what brought us to this point. And right now I'm working on a book. I, I already wrote one. It's called Social Justice Goes to Church, which is a history of how it got into evangelicalism. I'm working on another one now, which is more of an apologetic. It, it's got some history in it, but it's also here's the theological issues uh, that social justice threatens. Um, so, yeah, um, that was probably more long, long-winded oh, than you wanted, awesome. but that's kind of why I'm here. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, so, Reader's Digest version, what is, for for people who aren't super familiar with this topic, and, and I'm really new to it myself, but what what is, when you say social justice, what are you, what exactly are you talking about? Does it tie into this critical race theory that we're seeing, uh, not only in our schools and in our universities, but also in our churches? What what exactly is that? Just kind of a broad overview. Okay. <laughs> if I'll, you give you the short, <laughs> I'll give you the short answer, yeah. and this is stripped down to its most basic elements. So this would apply from the French Revolution to today, right? All the social, the redistributive justice, the social justice would be this. Number one, achieving an egalitarian ideal of some kind. So equality, uh, but not an equality before the law. Some Usually it's an equality of outcome, but some kind of, um, some kind of like utopian dream of everyone being equal uh, in what they have, in who they are, in their... Uh, you know, even maybe their level of respect, all these kinds of things. So some kind of version of egalitarian equality, achieving that. Number two, uh, dismantling social institutions that prevent its achievement. This would be like even the church to some extent, uh, deconstructing it, reforming it, making it into something different. Um, but the family would be part of this, but also even like a knitting club. I mean, it's really any institution that has a hierarchy that, um, prevents equality from happening. So uh, the third um, element would be uh, implementing a force capable of executing that utopian dream. So generally, this is a central government. It doesn't really have to be necessarily. I mean, you could see this in a church, maybe like the elder board or something could do this, but um, they're ultimately they want, they have to crush the uh, social institutions that are preventing this equality from taking place. So those are the three things. And you can find those in the writings of um, Rousseau, uh, one of the philosophers behind the French Revolution. You can find it all the way through Karl Marx and Gramsci and the Frankfurt School um, and the critical theorists of today. You, you find these elements. So that, that's at its root. That, that's what we're looking at when we talk about social justice. And, and so when you say equality, I'm, I'm assuming you're meaning equal outcome. Right, not so much equal standing under the law. Not so much we have the same opportunities, you know, right. as as a people. Yeah. But we all have not only the same opportunities; we have the same outcome. 
no one's going to be richer than the other. No one's going to be more successful. We're all, everyone's equal. And redistribution, right? Yeah, kind of. Sometimes they'll say it's a flatlining of equality. Uh, it's uh, to to bring those who have certain advantages down and bring those um, who are at a disadvantage up somehow. So that could be along a financial um, track. Um, it could be along an opportunities track as well. So uh, generally, today you hear conservatives are about equality of opportunity. That's true to an extent. We want, and but generally conservatives mean equality before the law, that everyone plays by the same rules, right? Um, but there, there's another, um, the, the way that equality is looked at today, usually they use the term equity, is that we have to take into account certain people's advantages. Were they raised in a geographic area in which they had access to public health in a better school? Did their parents make a certain amount of money? Um, did they have white privilege? Did, you know, these are the kind of metrics that are used now to determine whether someone started out ahead of someone else. So they really don't have equality of opportunity. So we need to somehow adjust that by transferring uh, resources or platforming people, um, that kind of thing. And, and, and of course, there's no way to do this mathematically, really. You can't, to, to take into account all the various factors that go into um, why someone turns out the way or starts out the way they, they do and someone else starts out the way they do, it's, it's, it's basically impossible. Uh, and you have even just the will of God, even in sovereignty and providence at play in this as well. But that's, that's the goal, is to somehow gain control from a human standpoint over those, um, the, those levers that determine where people start out and where they end up and make them all equal. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So let's kind of shift to, uh, the critical race theory aspect of it. I know, I think Austin and I had similar experiences, although we didn't know this until, uh, a few months back where we were going to a church, a Southern Baptist church. Um, I think his was in new Albany, right? Mine was in Louisville. And we started seeing this racial tension start rising within the church and, and made me very uncomfortable. My father was a police officer, 20-something years, and they really started focusing on police brutality and started focusing on, on that statistic or, or whatever, the, you know, how, that narrative of police targeting African-Americans and caused me to ultimately leave that church and, and end up in a church that's uh, non-denominational. And, and so we have kind of gone away from the SBC because um, you just you see that infiltrating. So how has that happened? <laughs> what has caused this critical race theory and, and the social justice to infiltrate our churches? I think there's two basic reasons. Uh, one is pragmatic. One is this is the direction of academics, and, and they've been going that direction for quite some time. And now, I mean, I can't even open up my email without having, um, you know, some company that I subscribed to 12 years ago that I didn't, you know, I forgot about telling me how like diverse they are. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, thanks just, for letting me know that. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, I had lost my library card and that you guys are so diverse. It's so great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's kind of, um, the world that we live in. So I think there's a pragmatic element that, uh, and I know this was in pl at play at Southeastern uh, where um, I'll give you an example. There was um, a, a meeting of the Southeastern society. These are the big donors, right. That give to the school. Some of them are big, not all of them, but I had a friend in, who was part of it. And he told me in the meeting that the provost had gotten up and told everyone 
we got this kingdom diversity initiative and we are, um, we're doing this because we know that there's a demographic shift coming in the country. And this is to get out ahead of it. And this is basically to pull in young people who we know are already kind of going on this diversity bandwagon and to pull in minorities. Because if we just focus on the white people, then the denomination is going to die. The school's, the school's not going to make money, right? Let's just face it. There's, right. there's a financial aspect to this. So that it's a strategy. I think it's a failed strategy. It doesn't work that way, but that's one of the strategies and that's the pragmatic element. I think there's another and more important and bigger perhaps motive. And that is because you actually have people that are syncretizing Christianity with another religion. And I view social justice that way, it, it, especially in its modern iteration. Uh, they got their own um, holy books and their own prophets and their own saints and uh, their own view of truth and revelation and salvation and original sin, white privilege. They have like, they parallel Christianity at almost every turn. And Christians have, I think, seen that. Um, James Lindsay calls it an uh, Augustinian framework. They've seen that Augustinian framework and they see parallels and they see where Christians, where, where things are similar. Now they're, it's similar in the way that Christianity is similar to Mormonism. Like it's yeah. because there, there are similarities between religions, but they, obviously this, there is no ultimate grace. There is no forgiveness in social justice. And so it's not Christianity. Uh, it's a perversion of it. And socialism was always a perversion of Christianity. And so um, in a secular environment where people are hungering for religion and they don't want Christianity, they're attracted to social justice because it's kind of resembles what they've left behind. And Christians who are, um, you know, looking at all the, the quote unquote problems they think exist in the church and how it's not a perfect world, they've kind of bought into this utopian ideal. They think this is a tool to make the church better. And so they buy, they, they buy into it. And, um, and so those are the two motivations. Now, how it happens so suddenly, um, there, I don't really know, to be honest with you, the, the full reason. I, I, my first book, I traced um, many of the big evangelical thinkers like Tim Keller, um, David Platt, Russell mm -hmm. Moore. You know, I, I link them all with new left thinkers from the 70s who they praised. So I know that in academia, there's been um, some kind of a transfer between people like Jim Wallace, Ron Sider, and Richard Mao, all evangelicals, quote unquote, who bought into social justice in the 1960s and 70s. I know there's a link between them and the modern crop of social justice advocates. I know that that exists. I don't know if that accounts for everything we're seeing, but it's a start. So I don't know if that gives you a full answer, but yeah. it's something. Well, and definitely what we've seen, the social justice, especially in the church, it's an emotion-based thing. And especially right now. I mean, we, we just had a uh, an episode over uh, salvation and talking about that emotional experience versus the actual the the gospel and the the spirit experience and well, i mean for one that's satan right that's him coming in that's him pushing his agendas and it's infecting the church and so the definitely in the churches we we came from to get to where we are now we saw that coming in we're like whoa no no we need to take a step out of this and get out of here so I, yeah brad got out i took my whole family out of our church and we moved on so, yeah, and I think, John, I think you mentioned it uh, in one of the episodes I've listened to of yours recently where they're adding to the gospel. 
They're they're, right. they're making it Jesus and yeah, and, and they're not they're not focusing on on what the gospel is, and they're they're taking uh, this social justice and this diversity and this equality and saying, in order for it to be a full gospel, you have to include these things as well, right. Yeah, once you start seeing that, you can't unsee it. I didn't notice that at first, probably the first year maybe of doing the podcast. I, I could see how social justice was an alternative religion. I couldn't see, though, quite how they were corrupting the gospel by syncretizing it with Christianity. And now I can't unsee it. It's literally, I'd say like 96% of the social justice advocates in quote unquote evangelicalism are false teachers. They're pushing a false teaching, which is that you don't have the whole gospel or you have a half gospel if you don't include some element of social justice works uh, with your gospel. And um, they they were doing this kind of by saying that it's a gospel issue, racial reconciliation and their version of it or some other you know sexual abuse and the Me Too movement, something like that. Now, I think they've been attacked so often <laughs> with using that term, they're finding other ways to do it, but that's, yeah, most often it's kind of this, like you, you catch it when someone's kind of almost looks down in, a, in an elitist kind of fashion and be like, well, you, you're missing something or let me help you. I, I had someone just what, two days ago, it was uh, someone who didn't know me online in a discussion thread offer. It was a crew missionary. in I think Portland offer to expand my view of the gospel. And that's the term he used. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, he said, I can expand your view of the gospel and show you what you're missing. Oh, my <laughs> like, goodness. And I'd already articulated Paul's, you know, Romans chapter one and what Paul says the gospel is there. So um, well, it's then, scary. When you, yeah. yeah, and then you got Revelations where it says, woe be to thee who puts in words and takes them out. Like, your judgment will be so much more severe than everyone else's. So, heads up. <laughs> Well, and yeah, it's scary. It is, and and when you when you understand the gospel and you, and you accept this idea that that we can't earn our salvation, that we are in need of a savior, that we are a depraved human as an individual, me me myself, and you understand that and you accept that and you allow the Holy Spirit to start working in your life, these other issues, these race issues, and these whatever sins you're struggling with in these areas, they 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 start getting worked on naturally, right? Like it it yeah. is a natural natural well, outcome. Well, we're growing. Yeah. Once you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have His Spirit. It's a growth. You want to grow. He helps you grow. Yeah, that's <laughs> the point. Yeah, work, works are fruits. Uh, they're yeah. not grounding. Exactly. They're fruit, and it's like a. When you're driving a car, you know, the law is like a GPS that tells you if you're going off the road. It's not a gas pedal. It's not what gives fuel to your engine. And these social justice advocates want to treat it like um, if, if they pound the law into people, like that's the thing that's going to make Christians really go out and do social justice. Grace is not the motivator anymore. It's it's a guilt that's the motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's never a good motivator. That just makes for Phariseeism. And, uh, and they treat social justice like it is the grounding for salvation. It's the basis upon sal- your salvation or else you don't have the gospel. So um, that's the concern. It's not that, you know, a Christian should engage in works of charity. Uh, obviously, you know, we were created uh, for good works, which God prepared beforehand. But those are the fruit of, th- those are actually what God's doing. And he even gets exactly. credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's God's doing in us. So um so yeah, that it, it sounds, I think to someone who's not initiated into Christianity, it sounds like we're splitting hairs, but actually this is a big chasm 
that exist. And it's taken different forms uh, along the way. The social gospel movement was, uh, that that controversy was very much uh, part of this, the whole fundamentalism modernist controversy, which included the social gospel element. Um, But even, you know, the Reformation, uh, this was part of what the Reformation itself was about. So we're, we're repeating the same thing. We're just repackaging old errors over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, Kind of the next uh, next topic I wanted to bring up is is how progressivism has started to uh, infiltrate our churches, especially our bigger churches. And and uh, there's one in Nashville I can't remember the name of it that you know these pastors or the, the staff members are putting their pronouns in their bios on their website. Oh my! And and <laughs> they have uh. right they have this this info this graphic on their website that says what the Bible is and what the Bible isn't, and it talks about how the Bible's not the inerrant and infallible Word of God. It it is a collection of stories and how humans react to God, but it's not inerrant. It's not infallible. It's not the only way uh, to learn the truth of the gospel. It is a tool, and and um, you see that with people like Kevin Max. That we we've talked about him a few times on our show. Uh, the DC Talk guy, which as a kid of the 90s, I was uh, very <laughs> upset when I heard that he had gone down this path. Although I was too. Let's be honest, yeah. I kind of saw it coming just following him on social media for the last couple of years. But um, where, where, and this may not be a question we can answer, but <laughs> where is this coming from? Why is this be gaining popularity? This idea of Jesus is a truth, but not the truth. And so other, you know, almost a universal or a, yeah, universal Jesus. This idea that yeah, he's yeah. a a way to salvation. He's not the only way to heaven. All co- roads kind of lead there. I know we've, you know, this has been around for a while, but it, it's becoming more prominent. Well, let me ask you this: um, Have you ever been to a Bible study where they ever, where the leader asked everyone in the room to go around and share their interpretation of the text? Oh, that is my biggest pet peeve. What is the What does this verse mean to what you? What does it mean to you? Yeah. Right. I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've all been at probably multiple Bible studies like that. Um, so social justice m- movement has made that about your social location. So, you know, it's not about just what it means to you as an individual, but what does it mean to you as a left-handed, you know, white person, or I don't know. I mean, it's right. just you know, who parts his hair on the right side. Well, as if, <laughs> yeah, as if like, there's a different, um, like lens or insight you have into the real world because of your social location. And I think what you're seeing with um, a lot of the apostasy that's happening here, I mean, I, I don't want to demean the, the spiritual, there's a spiritual element. I mean, there is demonic there we have a real devil, we have demonic activity and we have um, we have spiritual warfare going on. But if you just were to look at this, I think from a philosophical standpoint, I think what you're seeing is um, the fruit of, hundreds of years of, you know, the enlightenment, um, and the industrial revolution, modernity, um, postmodernism, uh, man was the measure of all things. Man, man, uh, could, you know, going back to the enlightenment, uh, very optimistic about what man could achieve using his reason. So reason was kind of like the big thing that man had that he was able to subdue his environment with. And it's been discouraging. We've had world wars. We've had all sorts of horrible things. So the, that dream has kind of faded, but um, it's taken the place of kind of this pessimistic postmodernism, 
where we still look at man as the measure of all things, but we don't like reason anymore. So I think you just pointed out emotion seems to be one of the big barometers people use to test whether something's authentic or not, or at least works for them. But it's that whole works for me thing that has been for hundreds of years has been kind of like the standard. Does it work for you? Is it that's pragmatic? Does it not work for you? And that's not truth. That's not truth is doesn't matter if it works for me or not. It's true or it's false. And I wonder how many of the people you're talking about, like Kevin Max, how many of them ever actually had a real foundation in truth and believed in truth? Or were they just, was Christianity just a brand name for them? Did it, what did it, was it the thing that worked for them right. in that part of their life? And now, well, it doesn't work anymore. Something else is going to work for me. So if uh, people don't first have a grounding, if Christians don't understand that, um, you know, what they have is the capital T truth, then they're already adrift at sea. We just don't know it yet because they've been, they know the Christianese and it, you know, right. and so you know, with Josh Harris, Kevin Max, I tend to think they went out from us because they were never of us. And I, I hate to say that, but that's the only conclusion yeah. I can really reach. We, we talked about that yesterday. Um, pretty much exactly the same thing we just said is that they probably weren't of us. They didn't have that foundation of truth. And, and I think there's a shift from back in the 90s where we kind of recognized some of our depravity just as a human race. And then it's kind of shifted now to where everyone is wonderful and everyone is amazing and in self-esteem and ego and pride. And I mean, you have, you have pride month, you have an entire month celebrating yeah. the, the root of all sin, right? Pride. <laughs> and the things in the gospel, the things in the Bible that, that make people uncomfortable, people just want to remove it. They just want to take it out because it's not politically correct. It doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't give me the warm fuzzies. So it's got to go. It can't be true. And I yeah. think yeah. it's been something that, uh, has really driven me to, to do this. Uh, we, we titled our, our podcast Rooted in Logos because we want to be rooted in the Word of God and have that strong truth found, foundation, the strong foundation of truth to keep us from going off like, like these others have. Yeah. And these others are doing, these other churches are doing. And, and again, you, you have really helped inspire me to dig into this more. Uh, and so I do appreciate that. Um, one final question uh, before we let you go what can what can we do as a church, uh, big big church, universal church uh, of believers? What can we do to to fight this? What what are some practical steps we can do to say, hey, we see this is happening either in our local church or either in churches around us? What can we do to help fight for the truth? Yeah, there's a few practical things I think, and it's going to look different for everyone. Um, one, the first thing is the the Marxists tend to want to break apart. Like I said before, one of their tenants uh, that I see at least is um, getting rid of these mediating institutions that have hierarchy in them because they think that prevents equality from happening. So the family is obviously like the main institution. Um, and from families, we get culture. That's where you get habits and traditions and, and place and a sense of stewarding a place because there's important things associated with it that go back generations and, and so their goal is to tarnish the reputation of um, a people's history, uh, their love for their country, uh, their love for um, even their own family. It's hard, though, for a child who's been raised and has fond memories of being in, you know, sitting on grandpa's knee, hearing stories to hate grandpa. And so 
what I think is families, um, one of the biggest challenges I've been realizing this more and more, even in my own life is this, mm-hmm. it's yeah. the phone. Yeah. It's, um, this is competing for our time a lot and, and all sorts of technology does when we need to be cultivating those natural things, those natural affections that God has given us. We know that families are imperfect. We know that everyone's history, you know, going back generations is imperfect. Everyone's country is imperfect. We know all those things. Everyone's church is imperfect, but there's a natural inclination we should all have to want to, to, to love those things, to defend those things, to steward those things well. And, and to, gain some kind of an identity from those things. And so I'm proud that I'm a Harris. I'm proud that I'm an American. Um, I'm, you know, and, and when I say pride, I'm not talking in the sense of pride month. I'm saying um, the way that it's, you know, used in a patriotic setting of I'm, I'm humbled to be part of this group. Actually, it's almost kind of weird that we use pride for that, but we, you know, I identify with this, with, with, with these people and I want to protect and to preserve when you have that, it's a hedge against social justice because social justice tends to try to de- destroy the identity people have. We see it happening in the church. Um, people are ashamed to be Christian. I don't know why in the world you would think it's a good mission strategy to go tell people, hey, we're basically the Ku Klux Klan, except that we've gotten rid of the racism now. Why don't you, why don't you come join us? <laughs> That's what they're doing. That's yeah. what they're saying is like, all oh, the church is to blame for everything. Uh, everything racial, everything, you know, we've persecuted LGBTQ people. Um, we're just a horrible institution, but finally we got it right. So you should come join us. Well, that doesn't elicit any kind of, <laughs> uh, wanting to associate with that. You know, why would you want to? So, um, so I think, um, identity, cultivating identity in family, in, in church as a Christian is very important to see yourself that way. Uh, obviously the unity um, at the communion table where you have all kinds of different people of different ethnicities uh, present uh, in, you know, at the same, I mean, I think it was Robert E. Lee who said the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. He probably took it from somewhere else. I've heard that a few yeah. times, but that's, that's so true. Like that's, that's the closest thing you're going to get to this kind of equality that they want. You'll never achieve it this side of heaven, but you you know the closest place would be in the church, where there are all kinds of people uh, who have different backgrounds, but they are equally forgiven, equally loving each other. So cultivating those things, and then just real practical, getting involved in local politics, um, school boards, local councilmen. I mean, these kinds of things are really important. I think a lot of times we're just looking at the national level, but all politics is local. And it's going to be the state and local governments that hedge against what's coming from Washington uh, in the next few years. Um, well, spend time with your kids, raise them right. You know, it's just the general yeah. stuff we all probably knew. Yeah. Well, one of the big ones, too, is actually getting involved in government. Like like you were saying, there are a lot of a lot of believers, a lot of Christians who do not think that. They think, oh, well, well, that has nothing to do with, with God in the Bible. So I'm, I'm going to stay out of it. Some even That's go right. as far as to not even vote. And I'm over here pulling my hair out because I'm like, <laughs> no, God has blessed you to be in a country where you get to choose your leaders, people who represent yeah. you. That's never been done in history, except the, within the past like hundred so years. And it's like, no, th- this is very important. My wife and I, we talk a lot about, you know, definitely getting deeper in our faith. Whenever we get together with people, I'm like, look, if if really, if we're not talking about... Scripture or politics, 
I don't really want to talk to you. I mean, no offense. I mean, it's cool. We can we can talk about some sports. I'm not a big sports guy, but I, I can I can keep keep up with it. But I'm like, I want to talk about things that really matter. So let's let's talk about things that matter. And politics is a huge one because yeah, there are a lot of Christians that they just want to stay out of it. I'm like, no, th- this is biblical. God says He has placed in charge those who are in authority, and if he gives you the power to choose who is in authority, you, you best be taking it. <laughs> yeah. Also, Edmund Burke said, right, that the reason evil triumphs is good men do nothing. And that's what we've unfortunately had. There's a lot of good men doing nothing out there. And uh, we need good men to stand up and start doing something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, re- and alluding back to what we were talking about, basically, w- with this whole social justice and everything, it's talking about, you know, people's truths, right? Their own truths. And we're talking about the truth. That's right. And it's some. It's funny because looking at deeper things, or even looking at just shallow things. So, like with our our kids, we have little girls that love the old Disney princess movies, right? And what is one of the the biggest things in those movies? It's oh, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Well, as a Christian, we know our heart is sinful. Our desires are sinful. And if you follow your heart, you're going down the wrong path. So it's like, no, don't. And it, like we're, we're coming back and reinforcing to our kids. We're like, no, you, you don't want to follow your heart. You want to, you want to follow Jesus. And it, it's subtle. It's subtle. And look, it's like we're not going to say no, no. You guys can't watch Cinderella, but <laughs> we're going to let them watch it. But we're going to reinforce these things. We're going to teach them. And again, looking back at. Even so, uh, Islam, you know, they follow the teachings of Jesus. In the Quran, it says to follow the teachings of Jesus. That's right. And again, it's this thing that just subtly gets deeper and deeper and deeper to where it's no longer Jesus is not the only way, right? So it's all these subtle things that are hitting all together. And again, going based on what we believe in scripture, we're coming to the end. So things are going to start getting dicey. I just want to say to his oldest daughter is five, four, four, four. One of the wisest people I've ever met. Uh, back on, <laughs> praise, on yeah. uh, praise the Lord. Back Amen. on Easter, I mean, they're doing an amazing job. He won't brag on him. I will. They're they're doing an amazing job with their their kids. But on Easter, I, I said happy Easter. You know, as, as she was leaving, and she goes, <laughs> no. Happy Resurrection Day. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Sorry, so, sorry about that one. Yeah. No, no. It was, it was wonderful. It was great. Um, well, That's John, awesome. I, I really, seriously, cannot thank you enough for joining us. This is um, awesome. Yeah. I hope we can have you on again at some point uh, as, as, we kinda, as, we, as we grow, because we do want to grow this. And, um, you know, you and I maybe can talk about that one someday. I want to <laughs> yeah, How start, do we do uh, that? Chirp some wisdom in our melons <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, but... I, I'm, I've actually, I'm pivoting, uh, and I haven't really told really anybody this, I'm pivoting my, I was in a master's program for, for uh, something with uh, behavior, you know, and, and I'm actually going to pivot and go and, and do apologetics and, and kind of start going down the road I started when I actually started at Boyce uh, 15 years ago. Gosh, I'm getting old. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I was at Boyce Don't about 15 years ago for a few years and didn't finish. Uh, but I finished my bachelor's now and I want to go back into the kind of ministry realm. Well, so good for you to uh, pretty excited That's about awesome. that. But uh, John, tell uh, the uh, hundred or so people that listen to <laughs> us where they can, where they can find you uh, on social media, on podcast and, and, and your book where they can get your book. 
Well, if they go to worldviewconversation.com um, or if they want the book, you can just go to socialjusticegoestochurch.com. It'll take you to the same place. Uh, there's all my social media links are at the bottom of the page. So um, that's probably the easiest. That's the hub for everything else. Yeah. So uh, I encourage anyone listening to check out his podcast, Conversations That Matter. I've tried to pinpoint how often you release. Is it? Is it? Uh, do you release every day or every other day? What is your pattern on that? Lately, it's been every day. Yeah. It's been um, leading up to the SBC convention. And uh, just because um, there's just a lot of things right now that I feel like need to be covered. So uh, I think I'll go back to uh, more sporadic. But for right now. It is uh, almost every day. Yeah. Five or six days a week. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, John, thank you so much for coming on. Um, We hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, we want to thank John again for coming on, uh, gracious enough to give us a few minutes of his time. He has definitely been someone that I have looked up to over the last few months, better part of a year, really, just digging into some of these issues that we are going to start digging into as we move forward. Uh, We alluded to it before the interview, uh, but we want to just kind of reiterate, we're going to kind of transition to a new format. I think on Tuesdays, we will have, uh, we're going to start going through a book of the Bible. Yep. Start going through actual scripture and just kind of do exegesis through a book. Uh, we're going to start with Romans. Uh, yeah. it's gonna, we're just we're not diving in uh, to the shallow end here. We are yeah. going to dive into the deep end. Well, right the point off the is bat. what rooted in Logos. We're yeah. we're getting rooted in Scripture, and we're we're going to share it with you guys. So yeah, hopefully it's, you all it, enjoy it. It's a very rich book theologically. It, it's <laughs> it's very deep. Uh, we will hit on some topics that are going to step on some toes and ruffle some feathers, uh, kind of like we did on Tuesday. Yep. But it's going to be good because I, I think it's good to hear things you disagree with, mm-hmm. um, hear things that challenge your perceptions, challenge your your uh, current understandings. Well, if anything, it gets you to listen to it, gets you to think in a different way, and then gets you to go back to Scripture, reread it, and look deeper. Right. Well, and the best way to shore up your own beliefs is to argue the opposite. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's hard. Yeah. It was, well, uh, yeah, just this past one, I was looking into that side of losing faith, losing or giving up your salvation. It, and for me, that was that was hard. That was hard to do. But it, and it, but it was really good because I was able to look at that at it that way and then come back the, on the other side. So, yeah, it's it's really good. So, as, as we move forward through Romans, you know, we want to... And we'll we'll talk about this. We want to just reiterate: we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers. We are going to do the best we can through the Holy Spirit's help to interpret what what the what Paul is writing and and what that means for us and, and application oh, and 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 we're not interpreting. We're we're praying, Lord God, give us your understanding. Because right. and and that's it with Barter, the Brad Carter and I. <laughs> we're we're coming together every time before we do this. We're praying and we're. We're on our knees saying, Lord God, please give us your understanding, not our own. Let us not be a stumbling block for people. And, and I would ask you guys, as you're listening to this, pr- pray for us. Because, again, we're placing ourselves in that that teaching role. And Scripture says th- those who are in the leading role will have a greater judgment. So, p- please pray yeah. for us. We want to... <laughs> 
we're taking this seriously ultimately and and we understand the weight of of what we're doing and and the weight of where we're going and so that's going to be tuesdays is digging into romans and then we'll you know i I have some ideas that i haven't really talked about with the guys yet after we get through romans just to kind (laughs) of see what we can do i know got that mischievous smirk he's looking Um, at me like oh great but then on on thursdays we want to start talking about some of what we talked about with john today and we want to start talking about some of these these social justice, critical race theory, progressivism, these different issues that are creeping into our churches, not even creeping in, that are just full-on Kool-Aid manning into oh, our straight up, <laughs> into yeah. our institutions, and what we can do to respond to that. We're going to have a conversation. Uh, we might bring some more people on at some point to, to discuss some of these issues that, that, are, that are taking place inside the church. I, I think we'll touch on all t- types of subjects, abortion, politics, homosexuality. homosexuality. We're definitely going to hit that this month, I would think. This is a good month to do it. Romans. Yep. <laughs> and, and this uh, month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, again, show us a little bit of grace in some of these things and understand that we aren't perfect. We are going to do our best through God's help. Also, you're going to disagree with us on some things. And, and you know, I, I mentioned this Maybe in our podcast, I don't know. I've been talking so much lately. I don't know where I've said these things, but um, we're we're never going to agree on everything. John mentioned it in, in in our interview. You know, this side of heaven, we're not going to have perfect unity. But some of these finer points, it's okay to have some subtle differences as long as we again just maintain unity in the gospel. Well, and that's it. I talking about secondary issues. You know, the main issue: Jesus Christ is King. He is the Son of God. He descended to earth as a baby. He died. He ascended to heaven. Those, those, that's the big thing. Okay. These secondary issues, let's talk about, let's do it. And if we don't agree, all right, that's cool. Let's go back to the main issue. If we agree on that, I, I think we should be all right. Yep. The, the goal is to keep the unity, but also to challenge our challenge our beliefs challenge yeah. challenge our understandings and 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 we're going to challenge our own we hope to challenge yours um and, and I, I mentioned this to somebody today uh in a conversation i was having my goal is is to just learn the bible and i am willing to change my views and my opinions when i am presented with a biblically based argument our minds are open to scripture if if you can tell us where in scripture and back it up Oh, yeah. We're more than happy to listen to you. But our minds are closed to the world, okay? I mean, you can tell us your thoughts and your beliefs. That's fine. But if it's not scripturally based, no offense, I I don't really care. Right. So, it sounds harsh, but hey, this is going to be, we say it with love because we we love the word and we want to be rooted in the word, rooted in that logos and not rooted Mm -hmm. in the world, not allow these things to creep in and and deceive and, and, and... Make us uh, crash to and fro like the waves. Yeah, to and to and fro by doctrine and cunningness of the world, which we see with what CRT and all this kind of yep. crazy so, stuff. Studying Book of Romans starting next week, starting Tuesday, and then studying social issues mm-hmm. uh, on Thursdays, and and not just what that means for our culture, but what that means for our church and our individual lives, and how we respond and how we fight for the truth, fight for. Uh, our church, churches, our unity, because our churches are worth fighting for, guys. Yes. We we hold the key to the truth, capital T. We yes. have the truth. We the know the truth. truth. And that is that is worth fighting for, mm-hmm. worth worth preserving. So uh, Carter will join us again on Tuesday. We're excited to get back to our, our normal group. 
And uh, guys, stay rooted in the word. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogos.com.